from the Summer Skate Studios, this is Analytics and Eyeballs, brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun. Climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf or TopGolf.com for details. Summer Skates, shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos from coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars has a destination that suits your style. Jets Pizza, with six different styles of pizza, eight types of crust to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota, earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile. Go to MetroByTMobile.com to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive. Our boost and burn is specially designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at MDriveForMen.com. Liberty University. Strengthen your faith and your game at Liberty.edu. Drury Inns and Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit us at DruryHotels.com. And by Jesse Ray's Barbecue, award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at the restaurant at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. Uh, a little confusion getting started today, but this indeed is Analytics and Eyeball. Scott Strandy with you in uh, Denver, Colorado tonight. No Jordan tonight. We've got Paul Hornstein with me. So, Paul, how are things on Long Island, New York? Um, listen, I, we're getting towards the end of the school year, and that makes me happy. And uh, It's kind <laughs> of a weird thing. Honestly, it's, you know, it just um we got the uh the women's under 18 final tonight um from uh, from a apparently a sold out madison wisconsin for the championship game between the u.s and canada nice nice um can you still hear me am i connected yes (laughs) i can hear you okay because i'm having a problem with my head oh there we go maybe i've Turn them on, maybe I don't know, but yeah, for some reason my headphones don't want to work. They're giving me static, and then it goes from static to nothing. So uh... <laughs> no, but you're good. <laughs> okay, as long as I'm talking, that's good. We've got a great guest uh, tonight, uh, another Long Island guy. We've got Dave Starman coming on, well, and listen. he's gracious enough to come on. And let me tell you, he has been everywhere. As uh, you know, analytics and eyeballs tonight is going to be about how many miles Dave travels in a day, or a month, or a year, or I think all the of the above. Does more miles than you? <laughs> yeah, most of his I think it's done by air, so that's good. But well, uh, I believe still. he's in St. Louis tonight, and he said that he would graciously come on and talk some hockey with us. So uh, we are very, very thankful for that. We'll have him on here shortly. I believe uh, ten minutes or so. Um, he was running just yeah. a little bit late, and that's of course okay. we had a few connection issues to get taken care of anyway. So uh, all's well that ends well, as they say, right? Right. Now, I mean, 
listen, um, it's like I said, he does more miles than just about anybody. I'm sure that there are others that might come close, but um, just by following his Twitter feed, you know, uh, he's just, he is all over the place and you just, you can't keep up with him. So, um, and he is one of the best voices, if not the best, best voice uh, for college hockey in my mind anyway. Yeah. He, he's right up there. I mean, who would be ahead of him? Not too many people, if any. Yeah, and, and his support for hockey is just incredible. Um, you know, he's been a former pro coach, uh, right. has uh, UMass and uh, New Jersey Titans dad. Um, he, you know, he's a radio analyst, TV guy. He does everything that's asked of him, still does a lot of coaching as well. So it's going to be fun to have Dave on again and, uh, and get a chance to pick his brain because so many things have happened, Paul, from uh, <laughs> the expansion, uh, if we can call it that, the free agency, if we can call the portal that and right. uh, schedules coming out. And I'm sure he's got his eye on a lot of games that he's looking forward to seeing. Right. Well, I'm sure he does. Uh, I, I, I would imagine, and we'd have to ask him obviously uh, for his input. When CBS makes the schedule, the games they want to, they want to call. Uh, I, I, I don't know that, but I'm, I'm just guessing that they might say to him, uh, you know, we wanted, we, I mean, I, I think the contract says, and he would know this better that they have to do at least one game of every team somehow, some way. And I don't know if the pandemic affected that at all. Well, that's a good question. Maybe that's a good one to start off you with, know, we but we'll find out that uh, and, and so when we so bring them on. Yeah. But last night on last night's show, Paul, we got into the uh, Denver and Colorado college schedules and we're waiting for everybody else's to officially come out. Of course, Arizona States is out. Lindenwood is uh, pretty much finalized, but hasn't been announced. And maybe he, uh, I, he's in St. Louis. Maybe he's getting the schedule from Zombo. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Uh, and then of course, with Alaska Anchorage, I'm not sure if I've seen the whole schedule yet, or if I've just seen home games and, uh, whatever. Have you seen a composite schedule for them yet? Well, if you give me a second, we can look, right? Um, yeah, that's what, that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we are here for. Um, I, I just going to, while I'm doing this, I'm going to uh, mention the, there was a comment made on one of the websites about ASU's building. And I am going to correct this every chance, stuff like this, every chance I get. Uh, yeah, their their whole schedule is out. Okay, their good news. Good out. news. And uh, I, I don't I, know about Fairbanks. I haven't looked up theirs yet either, but I'm sure you'll get time to well, uh, scrounge into that. Well, I'll try to get that. them in a second here. I can do but that. but tell sure me, tell me what happened uh, on the website today. What uh, uh, what needed to be corrected? Talking about uh, ASU's building. Um, and and I'll just quote on. I'll just read it because it's bogus um the new arena is being funded by naming rights bonds and now partially by the coyotes um nothing could be more wrong nothing could be more. apparently wrong. they didn't know that an asu alum was going to be reading that apparently okay. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they, no, nothing could be more wrong first of all the fundraising was done by the coach Okay. Absolutely, for the, the entire program the, and the, the building. The, the, the entire building. Okay, 
Well, I mean, we, we, we yes, the, the, the program too, but the coach fundraised the money for the building. Okay? The Coyotes had nothing to do with this. And no, they, they were they lucky that they were invited to play there. Well, yeah, okay. You want to put it that way, fine. Uh, I'm not going to put it that way, but, you, you know, you do what you got. You, people could say what they want to say because I'm not saying it. Um, that Invited is not the word I would use, but, uh, you know, if, if, if the Assisted? CF, Assisted if the, in finding them a if, place to play? If the CFO <laughs> of the university wants to get pissed off at me, then so be it. Whatever. Okay. Um, Just so we understand, those checks won't be coming from Long Island if he does. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, yes, the, 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 both Alaska schools, their schedules are out. All right, both all schedules. right, all right. I like it. So, um, like I said, that's a load of crap. And if you read that, I mean, it's idiocy. It's pure idiocy. Okay. Um, the, 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 the fact that someone is saying that a rich set of benefactors, deep pockets for travel. Yeah. Okay. They had a, a couple, uh, but I, I'm, I'm sure that this same person was bitching and complaining about Penn state getting a hundred million dollars from one guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm I don't sure. want to hear that garbage. Uh, yeah, goodness gracious. I mean, I told you that this Stop. was going to be a problem. I, I told you that. And Stop. I told you it from the Arizona State perspective that I feel bad for Coach Powers because this was never intended to be an NHL building. It was intended to be for the use of Arizona State. Not hockey, not just hockey, but wrestling, gymnastics, whatever. Graduations, concerts, whatever they may see fit for their building on their campus. Um, somewhere along the line, things got turned around a little bit and they did enable the Coyotes to enter into an agreement to use the facility. We still think there's a lot that has to be done, but um, it, let's not ever lose sight of that. And I know you won't. No, that is not going to happen. And the, the funding by the Coyotes is supposed to be in the form is, is what, what we in the real world call that is rent. Exactly. And and by the way, when you rent an apartment, you, you aren't funding the apartment complex. You're renting no. a space. And as soon as you quit paying rent, you don't rent that space any longer. Right. So I don't want to hear that. If anybody sees that, just know that that's a bunch of garbage. And, and no, just no. It's not being funded by the Coyotes. As a matter of fact, um, I believe there was supposed to have, quote, unquote, been a check written already, and that ain't happened. Well, let me so, tell you something. I think this is a great time to tell everybody that we have a text line, 303-943-3772. And if you have a question for Paul or myself or our guest tonight, Dave Starman, uh, feel free to text in and let us know your thoughts, what you want to ask, what we can answer for you, and we'll do our best. Yeah, and so if your question was, are the, is, is somebody else paying for ASU's building? The answer is no. 
Yeah, nice job. Nice job. I appreciate you uh, following along and keeping up with everything. It kind of goes along with the fact that if you uh, hear something on somebody else's podcast, maybe credit them before you put it out there. Well, this was a commenter. This was not somebody who wrote the actual story. No, I, I'm just saying somebody else. If, if somebody well, else should listen, should happen to listen to the podcast and want to use part of it, um, that that's fine. Just credit us for as a source well, you where you got your that, information. You I mean, that's that just common happen, courtesy. Right. I mean, you know, hey. Um, you know, there, there's probably, you know, there are some quotes in there that were not from us. But, you know. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, I hear you 100%. Um, so there's still lots to talk about in the world of college hockey. And uh, one of the things I've been looking at is uh, the, the teams that are that have become quote-unquote independents and uh, their desire to find a place to, uh, to call home. And I'm not even going to dig into it right now because we've got our guest. We've got uh, Dave Starman with us. So, uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Scott and Paul with you tonight. How are things in, uh, what, St. Louis? Hot. I mean, <laughs> oh, my. It, the real feel here right now is 113, and I think they're being kind. Really? <laughs> and, and Tarzan couldn't take this kind of heat. Is this that is that this Long Island sort of um, swampy, sort of, uh, you know, off the concrete kind of uh, it's hot? A, or? It's a big, wet blanket. <laughs> it is. It's, it's the kind of heat that just you walk into and it gives you a big hug, you know? Wow, listen, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it might be a little early for that, but, you know, we've, we've been there, right? I mean. Um, well, Dave, it's great to have you on uh, Analytics and Eyeballs. As I was telling Paul, I don't know if there's a person that travels more miles than you. So when we're talking uh, the analytics part of things, just how busy have you been since the quote-unquote hockey season ended? Oh. Gosh, I don't think the hockey season's ended since about 1988. <laughs> well, why do you and Shereen even have a mortgage? I mean, you're never home. I know. We should just be paying it to Marriott's. But uh, we, um, it's no, it's been a good, it's been a good spring. And the best part about a couple of great things have happened this spring. You know, on the hockey front, number one is uh, the station in New York or the Greater New York area that handles the Mets Sportsnet New York. They have an 11 o'clock show every night, and they had me on doing a lot of Rangers analysis type of stuff through the playoffs. And it was nice to to kind of get back into the NHL world media-wise for a little while. I mean, the last time I had covered the Rangers was their run to the Stanley Cup in 94, and then the season after that in 95, and hadn't been a lot since. So it was kind of fun, you know, just jumping back on board and, and doing some some NHL analysis and some Rangers analysis. And But the other fun part is I – I got to tell you, this this being a hockey parent thing, I, I am all in. <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm getting an opportunity, uh, my wife and I, just to to watch our, our youngest son, Ryan, plays in 05. And uh, we've gotten a chance to watch him in some spring tournaments and uh, get invited to a couple showcases. You know, we were out in Denver for the CCM tournament, and, and that was wonderful. Mike Gampler and his group did a really nice job out there. And, you know, we're in St. Louis now for uh, the Dubuque Fighting Saints main camp coming up this week, uh, last weekend. We were somewhere. We were in New Jersey for the Liberty Bell games. Lou Mangialuzzo from the Devils does a really nice job with that. And the next week we're in Vegas for the Globals. So it's uh, I, I'm really enjoying just standing back and watching. And, you know, every once in a while they'll, they'll call me up and say, hey, do you want to run a bench? Or do you 
you want to coach your team? And I'll say, sure. You know, I always want to help out. And you got to see the look on my son's face when he realizes that I'm coaching his team in the spring. I mean, that's always a, <laughs> that's always a good luck. So, well, well, wait a that's second. Been fun. Um, are, are these camps run just, I mean, because obviously different, are the camps run that differently or, I mean, because one is a, is a, is a, is a tournament like setting. Uh, the other is for, I guess, a specific team. Do they run them differently? Yeah, I mean, some tournaments are, they want you to bring, like, your spring team up and, and play in it. So, I mean, everybody's, every organization's kind of got a spring team by a different name so that they can they can do some stuff that way. And there are some good double-A and triple-A tournaments that are all over the country where you actually bring your group that you know, you're, you're playing with for a couple of months here in the spring. And then there are other ones where you know, people call you up that know you and they'll say, hey, listen, I think your kid would be good for, for this one. Why don't you jump in with it? And it's, it's a good showcase and there's some eyeballs there. And why don't you come on out and – so, I mean, there are a few of those, too. And and then there's this one, you know, the, obviously the USHL camp. That's, you know, it's an invite camp where, you know, they're taking a look at, obviously, all their draft picks and their tenders. And, you know, then they bring some free agents in, too, to round out the camp to start building a book on on some of the younger players. So, they, they're all they're all very different. And it's – I've always told all the players, any, any of these I've ever coached in or players that I know are going to these things, I've always told them the same thing. And I think it's really important, and that is – Whatever got you to that moment, just keep being it. Like do you, the worst thing you can do is try to reinvent yourself to look great in front of whether it be Division One assistants or Division Three assistants or USHL guys or North American League coaches. Whatever the case is, if if you're a passer, pass. If you defend first, defend first. But don't don't try to be something you're not in these kind of scenarios where you're playing on teams with players you've never played with before because you're just gonna make a big mess out of the whole thing and. And they're just looking to see whether or not, A, you have skill, B, you have speed, C, you have some IQ, and, and D, whether or not you can actually play in a team structure, even though that's not your team. Like, that's what every one of us wants to see is kids that had to play within a within a structure of a game. And, and that's always been my advice to these kids in these tournaments. And some of them, when they take advantage of that, they do really well. And when some of them try to freelance it and catch too many eyeballs, uh, they tend to set themselves back a little bit. Well, it's funny because when you watch – and, and it directly relates to games too because when you try to do something that you're not supposed to do that's when the other team usually scores so it's pretty obvious when you make those kind of mistakes oh there's there's no question but the you know the one great thing on the youth side you, you know you're 20 u18 uh, and to an extent you know even when you, you're starting to play at the ncaa level it's a game of mistakes and you're gonna have to make some mistakes to learn and i think you know, the veteran coaches all understand that. And, well, you never want to lose a game because somebody made a just poor judgment. You do want your players at times, and players themselves need to get themselves into situations where there's a where they're out of their comfort zone so that they can see another aspect of the game. So, and I handle defensemen a lot, and I, I'll always tell my defensemen, hey, listen, you get into a situation where you're at the point you could dive down and try to win a puck at the, at the hash marks. So you, you see a forward who's on the hash mark, and he's facing the goal line waiting for a puck. He has no idea you're coming down, so dive down and make early contact or, or surf up so your gap is tighter. And if you get beat, you get beat. But at least you're getting beat trying to make a good hockey play, an aggressive play, a, a smart play, as opposed to trying to stick handle through eight people and then you turn a puck over and now you're trapped or you try to extend the shift and now you're trapped. It's I don't mind an aggressive mistake where you're trying something that's part of the game. I think where kids get into trouble is where they start to do things that they're just not, that's just not part of them. And that's where they that's where they run to, to issues. Yeah, good stuff. The other okay, question, so 
Hold on a minute. We're, right. We got to talk right. some college hockey. I know. That's what I'm getting to. That's what I'm getting at. The, 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 we we speak to most, you know, a lot of coaches, and and we know that uh, the COVID factor and the transfer portal thing, you know, is hit everywhere. But you're right now with your with your son there at the you know at the youth level. Um, have you seen? The, the the COVID factor and that extra year that the NCAA gave people uh, starting to extend down to that level right now where your son is? I think it's interesting because I think the 05 group is that first age group where it doesn't affect them as much because everybody above them birth year wise is in that COVID thing and it's just about over. So okay. I, I think it's funny, like for the 05s, I mean, they could be really in a seller's market where I think everybody else is a little bit more of a buyer's market. And for them, it could be, that could be a really good thing when I think you start to see a lot of the older players that got the COVID waivers really start to, to move on from whatever level they're at, whether it be junior or college or prep, and, and things start to, to get back to where they were and, and a little bit of, of normalcy. And then on the other side of it with this transfer portal, I mean, this is, this is the unpinned grenade that I don't <laughs> think you can pin back. And it's, it's the new reality. And, uh, you know, Listen, I think for certain teams, it's probably a really good thing that the portal's out there. For certain teams, I think it's a disaster. And I, I can't tell you how many coaches have said to me, I think half serious and half joking, uh, why go out and recruit anymore? I could sit and wait until, you know, a kid plays two years somewhere else and gets disgruntled because they didn't put him in the top six or top four. He's not playing big minutes in net. And I'm just going to wait for him to jump into the portal and I'll grab him after somebody else has developed him for two years. But why am I going to go running around and develop players for – somebody else. I mean, like I, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're half kidding and they're half serious when they, when they say this. And, you know, there are some schools that I think have done well with the transfer portal. There are some schools that have not done great with it. The Ivies are in a different spot because they can't have grad students play. So it, right. it really doesn't help them whatsoever. And, you know, they lose some players that could possibly come back as grad. So I, it's, it's a, it's a unique dynamic, which I think within a decade, everybody will kind of really get a grip on and, and maybe it's not as extravagant as it is right now, but it, it is the most unique thing that I've seen in college hockey in the 20 years that I've been in it. And with the NCAA talking about allowing extra assistant coaches to be on staff and, and maybe increasing the size of coaching staffs and that kind of thing, at some point, you're going to have to do what I did at the NHL level. Right? You're going to be a free agent scout. I mean, you're just going to be watching everybody else and waiting for guys to jump into the portal and, and then you grab them because you got a good book on them. And it, this is just a, like it's a brave new world, which I don't think everybody has exactly figured out where it's going to trend and finish. Boy, you hit that right on the head. Um, so, so Dave, we jumped from four teams in our coverage area to seven. Now we added Lindenwood <laughs> and both the Alaska schools to trying to cover uh, college hockey in the West. And uh, my thought was when I added them is that, hey, they're going to be playing down here quite a bit anyway. So the schedules are coming out and we're seeing all these different games. But uh, I'm sure you've had a chance to peruse a few schedules. Maybe, maybe not. But last Monday night, I had a chance to visit with uh, Coach Carl and kind of do his recap on the season and his preview at the same time. And um, he sprung one on us. He said that he's going to play an exhibition against UNLV at Magnus Arena. So my thought right away was, wow, that's great for us. But what, what do you think about that and, and just the growth that we've seen over the last year or two? 
I, I think it's been great. It's funny because I'm sitting right here in the Lindenwood footprint. I mean, we're not very far from <laughs> where Lindenwood campus is right now, where I am, and I'm, it's probably 115 degrees there too. Now that I think about it, but I think that you know, I, I think that the expansion for college hockey has been good. I think that the more opportunity we have for kids to play at the Division One level and and potentially earn scholarships and get their education and, and get a good four to five years in of, of players and develop and possibly go into other things. You know, I think that's wonderful. I also think it's great on the job front because that creates more spots for, for more coaches. And, and to me, uh, coaching is so important. I, I think in the last few years, the fact that the NCAA has only allowed college hockey staffs to have three coaches is it's mindless. It's absurd. And it, it just doesn't make any sense because at some point, the NCAA is just going to have to admit that, yeah, we are a development level for the NHL. The coaches will all tell you who they are, uh, but you never hear it really from the NCAA. And there's always kind of been a trend to stay away from that terminology and, and the discussions that, that I've had. And let's, let's be honest about it. You know, the majority of the NCAA teams are turning out pro players, whether they're for the NHL, for Europe, for the American League, whatever the case is. And, and whether or not they play one year, two years, three years, or, you know, the NHL situation, you know, they could play 15 or 20. Uh, the bottom line is the NCA is a development ground for professional hockey. And if you're going to develop players, the best way to develop players is to have more coaches. The best way to develop players is to have more of your coaches in and around working with your players. I've always thought that September should probably be a dead month recruiting and you should be having your players on the ice almost full time into September because that way your coaching staff is all there. They're not running around recruiting, going to all these tournaments. And now you can have three coaches and potentially four with your volunteer assistant all working with your players, making your team better and getting them ready for the beginning of the season. That, that seems to make the most sense to me. And I'm, trust me, I'm not the only person in college hockey who says that. And now if you can add more coaches, I think that's great. And I, I fear what's going to happen is there are going to be some schools that are going to say, hey, we could barely afford the three coaches we have now. The, the last thing we're going to do is put another one on. And then you're going to get some other schools that a little bit more of the bright, shiny object schools that have the good budget that are going to say, oh, wait a minute, you know what, we can, we can add two more guys. I mean, now we can add a skating coach and a goalie guy. And, and how great would that be? So I, I do think there are some things to get worked out there. But to me, the more jobs for the more coaches, the better. The better it makes the game, the better it makes the product, and the better it makes our players. Well, you kind of have that in, in the other sports, too. I mean, it's not like that would be unique to college hockey. Um, it, it, you know, there are, there's always going to be some has and have-nots. Right. And, and you, you know, here's the thing. You, I don't mean to cut you off, but you make a great point with – other schools having more coaches. Now I understand other schools maybe a little bit more revenue generating and they can do it, but like, have you seen a basketball bench? I mean, it's like a bar mitzvah. I mean, right. there's 8,000 <laughs> people. But then there's a timeout. You got 47 people running around with stools and clipboards. I know. I, I'm not saying I disagree <laughs> with you. I'm just saying that, that that's, you know, it, it, unfortunately, as much as we'd like everybody to be a have, um, there are always going to be haves and have nots. Of course, it would help some of the have-nots if some people would get together and be like, okay, we can't have all these independent schools. We need to do something about getting everybody in a league so that we can have as many teams as possible. Um, and I, it, you know, to, so I'd be shocked if in the next two years there's not some sort of realignment, if not two in the next five years. But something's got to happen on that front, right? I couldn't agree with you more, and I'll give you a couple of great examples. Lindenwood's going to be a really good example because like, you're talking about a market that's not exactly in the college hockey footprint, but there were a lot of really, really good players in the greater St. Louis area that are playing college hockey and playing pro right now, and, and the Blues have really created a wonderful niche for themselves here in terms of 
what they've been to the community. So Lindenwood is a school where you absolutely want to be in a conference for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you're a school like Denver or CC or Michigan or whatever, you want to make sure you're coming in here to play road games because you want to put your brand on display in this market because there are players here. They're going to come watch your team play and, and they might get interested in, you know, St. Louis kid might say, to them, Hey, listen, I want to go play in Denver. I don't know much about him. At least I got a chance to go watch him play for a couple of games. And maybe I got a chance to talk to one of the assistants when they were in town at their morning skate kind of thing. So you want that. I'll give the other school that I think is an independent that needs to get into a conference for that same reason is LIU. Uh, Long Island has, has long been a, a pretty fertile ground for player development. There's a lot of really good players uh, playing in the NCAA that have also gone on to pro careers and have played major junior as well that have come off of Long Island and the greater New York area. And I think that like for Hockey East, I think those Hockey East teams would love to be able to put their school brand on display in front of a couple of thousand Long Island-based youth players who can then get some ideas as to what's out there for college hockey because it's been a fertile ground and, and for LIU, it would be great for them to be in a conference. But I also think from a recruiting standpoint, it would be great for other schools to be able to come on to Long Island as conference opponents and be able to do some recruiting down here when they play here. Well, Dave, you you know this is 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 as well as anybody, and you know myself having lived here for a long time. Um, we always said that it was just that. How is there no Division One team here between LIU and, and, and Hofstra and Stony Brook, and and that eventually you know there are so many kids here playing that you can get. A quality team and maybe you're not going to have 20 kids from long island on your roster but if you're oh, i wouldn't island, wish that upon anybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i understand I've lived that, that too world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know um but <laughs> but you know if you if, if you're a school here you certainly have enough of a base where um, you're going to get good solid players uh, you know, because there are plenty of Division One players that come out of here every year. Absolutely, There's, it's a it's a it's a, an area that needs to be monitored and looked at. There are programs here that are good that are turning out players. There's been some changeover in the last few years in the philosophy of of a couple of the organizations that are down here at the Tier One level. But you know, right. the bottom line is there are players that come to the island to play because there are good programs and. You know, on the other side of it, there have been a lot of really good Long Island-based players that they get to 14, 15, 16, also realize that it's time to go and go play elsewhere so that they can get in front of some more eyeballs because, you know, at times the island doesn't create the same exposure that, that other areas do, whether it be, you know, into into areas of Connecticut or, or Massachusetts or, or throughout other aspects of New England. And, you know, I mean, my son was one of them, like, for his for – his, a great 11 year last year he played up in Laconia, New Hampshire with the New England Wolves and and it turned out to be the best move he could have made for him because it it turned his game and and his accessibility and visibility you know a little differently so i but i but i do think that for schools that are in, in non-conference situations right now i do think that it's important that the NCA and the conferences make a decision as to what schools are going to go where who fits what model and who fits what mold and like-minded institutions and academic interests and that kind of thing. I don't think independents really help our game very much. Uh, yeah, good stuff, Dave. Said, uh, 
Uh, hold on a minute. I got to ask a question occasionally. Listen, this is two Long Islanders talking to you, dude. I know. That doesn't mean you're going to get a word in edgewise. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting one right now. Uh, so, so, Coach, you probably know that we had uh, Coach Riley on uh, and had a great visit with him. And uh, my question is kind of a two-parter, but it's all in one, if if you will. Um, we watched Augustana come on board, and I commented to Paul. I said, man, oh, man, Augustana is doing it right. Um, they hired their coaching staff a year and a half before they were going to play a game. They got a building coming up. They went and got the coach that they wanted. They picked him up on a private jet, flew him over to, uh, to Sioux Falls for the introduction. I mean, they seem to have been doing everything right. So... Uh, it did not surprise me with that kind of money that they were easily into a conference as well. And of course they are. And then we talked with Brett Riley and we realized just how hard poor Brett is working there. Um, we tried to get him on a couple of years ago and they first uh, made the announcement. And, and uh, after talking to him this past week, I realized why he was telling me that he was running jerseys to the post office. And um, so, so money really does make a difference, but the common theme is that um the coaches that are into this are really into it and really bought in, aren't they? No question. I'll, I'll tell you what. Every coach in college hockey, the head coaches, the assistant coaches, the director of hockey ops, anybody that's involved in running a college hockey program, those guys are working 24-7 and they're working all year round. And it's it's obviously it's a, it's employment and it's a livelihood, but there's a, there's a labor of love involved in that too. But for what Brett's doing, Brett is – it amazes me how much he's gotten accomplished there and the women's on the women's side too. Yeah. But it's, you know, I know Brett much better and I've been a little bit more involved on their men's side and watching what's going on over there. And it is just remarkable what he's dealt with. It's, it's really unique. I mean, he's worked so hard. He has worked diligently. He's a young guy with, with a ton of enthusiasm. He's got great pedigree between his dad and his uncle Brian and obviously his grandfather, Jack. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a great family tree of coaches. He's had wonderful mentors along the way. He's worked with some great people and, you know, he understands what he wants to do. And I, I think the thing that everybody's looking at when it comes to LIU is where does it go next? Because for them to to take that next step, and you don't want to rush the process. I mean, obviously, you don't want to put the cart before the horse. But for right. them to take that next big step and, and start to become what Quinnipiac became. You know, they're the program that started small and built their way through and chipped away. And what Rand has created is nothing short of amazing at Quinnipiac. And, you know, for LIU to – write that same story, starting in a municipal rink, starting it as an independent and having a scratch and claw for everything and not having a home and running, not being able to sell, you know, what, what your facilities look like because they're not yours. I mean, there's a whole lot going on there. And so for, for the first couple of years, it's been a real good success story. Where they take it to for the next level in terms of, are they going to build a rink? Are they going to stay in the Islanders practice facility? Uh, how are they going to structure this whole thing? That is yet to be seen. But, but I think that they have the ability with a guy like Brett there to write a very good story to get themselves into a conference, whether it be Atlantic ECAC or Hockey East, and really start to make some noise. But I think that the next step for them is the financial investment. What's it going to be? Where's it going to come from? What the endowment's going to look like? And that's when they can start to skate with the big boys a little bit more in terms of recruiting and the bells and whistles. All right. Well, I mean, that is, you know, a lot of it is that they caught us by surprise too. Yeah, they kind of did. Everybody woke up one morning and said, "Oh, holy smokes! LAU won Division One." <laughs> yeah, what the heck happened here? You know, the guys um, at College Hockey Inc. were calling me and like, "Hey, listen, you live there. You have any idea?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Personally, if anybody's going to go, I thought it was going to be Hofstra or Stony Brook. I said, "But well, you know, hey, listen, good for them." 
Yeah, I, I mean, that was always the thought, right? I mean, and, and then they come out of the clear blue and do this. Um, switching it over, and part of this is because you obviously have a connection with the NCHC. Uh, you've been doing their games forever. Um, and with CC and Denver basically being the West Coast outposts for that league, uh, I, I'm sure that things come at you all the time about schools in the West. And, and we hear stories of Oregon and, and San Diego State and, and UNLV and, and, and some of these other things. Um, are, are any of these things, do, do they get to your radar too? Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I think that when, when it comes to expansion, I mean, there are two areas that I think are ripe and fertile for expansion in college hockey, the Pac-12 footprint and the SEC footprint, I think are two conferences that would do wonders in terms of, of adding to the prestige of college hockey, to the brand name of college hockey, to the marketing of college hockey. And each of those conferences bring a little TV background with them too, which which really helps. So I think when you when you take a look at the Pac-12 schools, I mean, obviously Arizona State's in, and, and I'll tell you this, I mean, if... And whether or not they come into the Pac-12 or you're just going to – if you get USC, UCLA, let's say you get a San Diego State, you get UNLV, and you get Arizona in, I'm okay never going to Duluth ever again. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> and that's, that's yes, no disrespect yes, to Duluth, but I love yes. the place. But, like, I'm really – you want to give me a steady schedule of teams in Arizona, Southern California, and <laughs> and then let's – you know, then we'll transfer that over to the SEC. I mean, like, you know, I can get into Athens, Georgia every other weekend, too, being a guy that's coached for five years down there. So – Okay. I, I really, I really think that that is is something that hopefully can materialize. I know Georgia's building a rink, and and I mean, there's a, there's some talk at UGA uh, has got some interest. I don't, I don't know how far it's gone, but I do think the Pac-12 footprint and the SEC footprint can work. It's it's hockey has been sold at the minor league level in those areas. It's been sold at the NHL level in those areas. I think at the college level, it's a no-brainer. Well, I was going to say that when you when you when you when you said the SEC, you you beat me to it. Uh, I, I have been following them building that building in Athens, Georgia, and and unless I'm missing something along the line, the building is always the hardest part. They're already doing it for their ACHA team. A- absolutely, this this is where this is where LIU got lucky because they were able to strike a deal for to play their games at Northwell Health Ice Arena in East Meadow on Long Island. And that's where the Islanders practice facility is. Right. And both of the rinks in that building have stands in there. So they're kind of like mini arenas to, to begin with. So for LIU it was a good thing because they didn't have to worry about spending 60 million bucks on getting a rink. They just had to get the program up and going. They can figure out the rink thing later. And that rink is, you know, maybe 20 minutes from their campus. But then again, on Long Island, 20 minutes could take you an hour. Oh yeah, you I know. know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. We, we don't do miles on the East Coast. We do minutes. And, you know, I mean, that could, you know, if they play Friday night, you might have to leave Thursday. But that's, uh. but I think that when, when you look at, when you look at that SEC, I mean, I coached in the South for five years between the Atlanta Knights and the Macon Whoopi and then the Memphis River Kings. And I'll tell you what, those hockey fans in the, in the Southeast, they love the game. And uh, when I was in Macon, we marketed the game as a combination of like high school football, NASCAR, and pro wrestling, and the fans ate it up. And then they begin right. to to understand, you know, what hockey was about a little bit more, and start to understand the nuances of the game. and And a lot of those teams down in the South did, did really smart things. They created learn to play programs and and four team intramural leagues for younger age groups, and helped 
get kids to buy equipment. And you had a lot of Northern transplants down there too, that took to the game real easy. So I, like, I think for the Southeast, I mean, that is, I think it's a very easy transition to get the fan base to understand what this game is going to be about and to go to the games. And I'm telling you that some of the greatest sports cities or smaller sports towns in our country are in the Southeast. I think they would take the hockey, you know, like flies to a light bulb. Yeah, good stuff. Um, let me tell you what I know from the West Coast, Dave, and I think you'll be uh, happy with this. I think in the next five to seven years, you're going to see in this order, you're going to see UNLV possibly next year. You're going to see Oregon right behind them. You're going to see San Diego State right behind them. And you're going to see Arizona right behind them. Um, uh, from what I've seen, it's going to take a little while for USC and UCLA to get up to speed. But but I definitely think you could be making some trips to Vegas and uh, Oregon and uh, San Diego State. And once they uh, break ground and they get that thing rolling, what I really think, Dave, is that everybody's watching Arizona State this year. Uh, they want to see what the numbers are. How much uh, revenue will they bring in the next two years? And uh, Greg Powers tells us that that program there will not have to rely on a penny from the university. They will support themselves plus some. Oh, I can see that. But wait, let's let's go back and discuss this for one second. San Diego State, Arizona, UNLV is possible Division One programs. I'm standing here with Shireen right now. Do I have your permission to apply for those coaching jobs? Absolutely. Yeah, see, see, I'm all in. So, like, yeah. as, as long as I got the boss's vote, I'm good to go. So, like, it, I'm telling you, I, I really think that if uh, you, you're, you're going to have some high demand from a lot of real quality people, you start to get some of those markets in there. And, and again, like I said, conversely, you know, you, when, you, when you look at some of those southeastern markets, too, I think those are going to be very attractive to, to really bring up some good people. And, and I will tell you this, there are a lot of really, really good coaches at the pro level. And we all know at the pro level, I mean, you're coaching for your supper almost on a nightly basis. Whereas college hockey, it's it's not that cutthroat just yet. I mean, there, there are some schools where it's all about the wins, but it, it's not necessarily across the board. It's There's a lot of running a good program, getting your players to graduate, and that kind of philosophy. And it's a good philosophy that's working across college hockey. And I, I'll tell you, I, I really think that the, the, the more the college hockey grows with the stability in a lot of these coaching jobs, I, I do think you're going to attract a lot of people because if you can get a coach, you can say, hey, I know I can sign an eight-year deal and be in the same spot for eight seasons in a, in a college town in a great environment with good, a good fan base and a good travel schedule, only 40 games. I, I think that's going to help the growth of the game too because you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of coaches that are going to look for that kind of stability and, and the pretty good money that comes with it uh, to want to go coach at that level. Well, I agree with that. First of all, thank you, Shireen, for letting Dave uh, visit with us. I don't know if she hears this or not, but she gave thank you, you very up. much. Um, and secondly, yeah, I'm kind of shocked that Andy Murray is the only guy that's really done that. You know, come down from the NHL after, you know, working for the Kings and then getting that job at Western Michigan and been in, being there for a while. I'm surprised that that really hasn't been followed at all. Me too, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think it's out of the question. It's funny because Jeff Blaschel's name came up a lot when it when there were some college jobs that were opening up, and and it was unsure whether or not he was going back to Detroit. And you know, he's a Michigan guy, and there was, nobody knew what was going to happen with Michigan. And, and then there's the Michigan State thing. And the other, you know, the other side of it is this: if if you're going to bring in a guy from that level, you're going to be paying him a little bit differently than you'd be paying some others. And you know, I do think if if you got a guy that left the NHL to go coach at the NCAA level, you know, whether it be like a, you know, a Blash or a Mike Babcock or any of those guys whose names every once in a while get thrown around with some of the bigger name jobs in college hockey, 
you, you're talking about probably double what you would pay somebody else. So, I mean, that, that's a bit of a factor too. And maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot of it. And also, I mean, I could tell you this from just having coached the minor leagues. And once you get that itch at pro hockey and once you've been there, you, there is a desire to stay there just because of what that dynamic looks like. But I do think at times you make it some coaches that are a little longer in their career where they're saying, Hey, do I need to be going on three year deals and not knowing what's going to happen next? And that kind of thing. And like when Mike Havlin took the CC job, I'll never forget him saying to me, I know where I'm going to be in six years. I could never say that in pro hockey. You know what? There's, there's some comfort in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, um, tell Shireen she can't sneak away from us because we want to have her on sometime too and get the inside scoop of what she finds out at uh, ringside. <laughs> so, oh, she she so, love it. Hey, hey, Beanie, we're, we're, we're booking you on a future podcast here. Nice, yes. They want the inside so, scoop from ringside here. She's all in. So, yeah. all right, we're gonna we're gonna make that happen. The other thing that I want to ask you is uh, the oddity of uh, having a World Junior Championship that needs to be, I guess, completed in August. How excited are you for that, or are you? <laughs> oh, this is this is a good one. I can be really funny on this one too, but I I won't because I can tell half the country won't understand what I'm going for. But uh, it's I think it's gonna be very unique to be calling World Junior Games being played in Edmonton and Red Deer when it's 100 degrees out in New Jersey. <laughs> I know where you're going. I, I totally understand what's going on. And I got to be honest with you. I'm very okay with that. Like the, the thought of the thought of calling a game, the thought of sitting on a beach all day at home and doing game <laughs> prep and then getting in the car and driving and calling a game and then coming back, I, I'm good. You know, like I, yeah, this, but, this, but, we might be onto something. But Dave, you're going you're gonna to spend that hour at the beach on Long Beach and then you're – going to have to drive seven hours to New Jersey, you know, and cover that two hour drive in seven hours. So, Oh, I know. Uh, See, that's the, that's the negative. See, here's what you, you kind of hope for the real late game, <laughs> but I, I, it's, I think it's going to be very strange. And, you know, here's the interesting part about it is that a lot of the players that were playing in that world junior that got canceled in December will not be playing in this one, even though that they are allowed to, I, there are going to be NHL teams that are, going to take a look at some of these players that were not drafted at the time of the world juniors that got drafted since and there are guys that are going to be signed and that kind of thing and i i just think that a lot of these rosters are going to look a whole lot different do we have an idea of when they might announce the rosters i i that i don't know but i'm i'm assuming that they're gonna have their eval camp pretty soon right. and at that point, they'll make some decisions. But I, I do think that you're going to see a few more kids potentially out of the program and, and some of the younger college guys. They're going to have to replace some of the bigger names. Like you're not going to see Jake Sanderson. You're not going to see Matty Beneers. I, 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 and Canada's going to have you know some of those same deals too. So I, I do think that there is going to be uh, some changeover in the rosters. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Final one for me, Dave, and we appreciate your time as always, is uh, I sit here in Denver right now, and two days from now, um, we're going to see the Avalanche in Tampa Bay. I'm I'm looking at it right now as probably um, one of the most exciting uh, Stanley Cup finals that ever was played. Your thoughts on uh, on that series and uh, who you think might come out of it? Oh, I'll tell you what. I just watching Colorado, and the first time I really got a chance to watch them all year was in the playoffs. And my goodness, <laughs> what a team! And I've watched Tampa more, uh, especially because the Ranger stuff that I was doing and, and I'm always intrigued when anybody plays the Leafs. Cause I, I just think that's always great drama. So I, I mean, I've watched Tampa play 
more. And I'll tell you what, the, the best goalie on the planet right now is in Tampa. And yep. the team knows, that knows how to win is in Tampa. And I think that with the way that the playoffs have gone for them, I think they're rested enough. I think their their older players have had sufficient enough downtime to to heal up and 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 be ready. And I think the break that they're going to have from the time that the Rangers series ended to the time that the Stanley Cup final starts is a good enough break for them where they can get some rest and not get rusty. And my feeling is if Tampa can stranglehold that series early, it'll be real hard to rest it away from them. I I kind of like the I kind of like the Lightning. That's okay, Dave. Uh, I know Scott's over there waving his uh, red and blue palm. <laughs> no, they're burgundy. burgundy. Burgundy and blue. And blue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I look at this much differently. As you said, the, Tampa Bay has the best goalie on the planet. And we've watched the Blackhawks do what they did uh, earlier in the, in, 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 in the 2000s. And the same thing with the Kings. And um, this, and I said this you know, during the, the Ranger series. Um, which I try not to acknowledge, but this is the closest <laughs> team that uh, this this Tampa Bay team reminds me so much of the Islander Dynasty team in so many ways that it it's it's scary because uh, in the cap era, if they if to get the three straight finals, if they win this thing. Don't you have to start talking about them as one of the best teams in the history of the league? I do agree with you. I, I think there's no question. I think what they've done in, in this area is remarkable. I think the, the the players that they've lost along the way, to be able to keep a good core of this nucleus and, and replace it and, and get some of their younger kids to understand what the dynamics are in place to, to play for their team. John Cooper and his staff have just been tremendous and uh, it starts in goal, obviously. I mean, just when you've got, when you got a guy like him who steals games, it's and then you get a couple of defensemen like like Sergachev and Hedman and McDonough, especially McDonough and, and Hedman who play against each other in the two thousand nine World Juniors just to show you how long they've been around. <laughs> I, I just I just like their team. And I'm a big believer that sometimes you have to lose to learn how to win. And Tampa did that. Yep. And now they understand the other side of it. Colorado has certainly lost their share of of situations where they thought they were gonna win series, but you know, this is this is the first step in as anybody will tell you, you know, the first time you get to those bright lights, they're a little brighter than you might think. Yeah, and I just think the yeah, really. goal is just way too much in favor of Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just there's no doubt about that. I'm even going to agree with you both on that one. Um, I'm going to say a couple of things, though. Number one, Denver Pioneers, NCAA National Champions. Uh, Denver East High School and um, um, the head coach over there, or why am I drawn? John Copperwood. Um, just won the uh, Division Two, right? The Tier Two or Division Two high school championship, national championship, and uh, the Eagles had a nice run. I followed that. So, uh, is it only fitting that the the things in the water here in the Rocky Mountains would mean that the Avalanche pull this out? <laughs> you would think so, right? But let's. No, and I'm going to give you. I'm I'm going to give you two more words. No. Kale McCarr. Yeah, there you go. I need uh, need I see more. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see where it goes. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Tell Shireen that anytime she wants, she has got a Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday night booked. We would love to talk about some of the ringside stuff that she does because she's fantastic. You guys both do a great job. We love watching you. We love having you on the show. So enjoy your summer, uh, whatever that might be. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I will have Shireen get in contact with you. We'll get that all booked up.
Thanks, Dave. Oh, love it. Absolutely love it. All right, folks, uh, you heard it. That's Dave Starman talking to us live from St. Louis. Scott Strandy here in Colorado. Paul Hornsting out on Long Island, New York. And uh, we'll take a quick break. Paul and I will come back and wrap up another episode of Analytics and Eyeballs. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Summer Skate Studios. This is Analytics and Eyeballs. Indeed it is. Welcome back in, hockey fans. Running a little late tonight, but it's uh, it's okay. Uh, we've got a few more minutes of showtime left. Scott Strandy with you in Denver, Colorado. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein. Um, hanging out on Long Island, New York. Paul, I shouldn't say it's always, but it seems like it. We've been bringing you on more and more on Monday night. Uh, we love your insight. Uh, two Long Islanders ganging up on me. Uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll take it because I know what's coming ahead. Are we back? Uh, we're back. Are you back? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what the heck was going on there, but okay. Um, that was awesome. I, I know what you're going to ask you, so I just avoid the subject, and that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's so much insight there. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I've got a list of about 40 more questions, and we could have gone on for more hours than hours. there are in a day. Um, but anyway, uh, the idea of it is is college hockey is making an impact. It definitely is. There's no yep. doubt about it. And, um, you know, Dave sees it 
from various angles, which is always great because he's seen it right. from a scout. He's seen it from a parent. He's seen it from uh, the broadcast booth. He's seen Coach. it from, yeah, from coaching. I mean, you name it, he's been there. And that's why it's always great just to kind of, and, and the one thing that bothered me a little bit is he agreed with you way too much. Well, so uh, either either you talked to him earlier today or something or or something and got him on the same page because that that shouldn't happen. But I'll promise yeah. you one thing when when Shireen comes on, she's going to agree with me. Yeah, well, maybe you know, <laughs> you're wrong, but, you know, that's not news. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, what a great conversation. Um you know, he brought up a couple of good things, and, and one of them, he brought up many good things, but a couple that stuck out to me, Paul, were the discussion on the Southeast and the West. Um, I sensed a little bit of hesitation from him on, uh, okay, show me the West. Um, there's a lot of teams that should, but who's going to? And I'm telling you right now, it's going to go in this order. UNLV, Oregon, San Diego State, Arizona, you're going to have a Western conference. You will have a long time mm. to go to get five to seven years, but you're going to have a long time to go to get these schools. Like you want, everybody brings it up. They always say USC, UCLA is going to be a it. long road for that. Well, Trust see, here's, here's me. I've been thing, in it though. for seven years. No, no, I, I know that there's here's, so much work to be done. Here's the thing though. And, and I say this, um, the two schools in the PAC 12, that can add a program whenever they want. They could announce tomorrow. Okay. I know they could. Or, well, I'm just saying it's it's with them. It's not an issue of money. USC no, I, and Stanford I, I, have so much money. They they don't even know there's so much money. But a lot of it's going to be going to NIL football. It, well, even with even with that, <laughs> even with that. <laughs> they have so much money as private institutions. They could go tomorrow if they want. They could, but but I'm but they, telling you, there's more to it. Do you want me to give you Coach Powers' email no, 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 or phone no, no. number stop, or something stop, so you can talk we to him? Understand, because I understand you need all about to put yeah, I understand more all things about together than just I, going I, like, "Hey, I, we I, got a bunch of money in our pocket. Let's do it." I. There has okay. to be a fit. There has to be a want. And currently, no, I, there's not there, a one. There, and trust that's me, it. I that's was in I was in UCLA. I watched UCLA not, come up here. Right. Billy Zegers, if you're UCLA. listening, love you, buddy. But but I'm not talking you know, about UCLA. Everybody knows they got a ways to go. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about okay, UCLA. But Stanford and USC are behind them. But it's not. But that's okay. Um, yes, it is important. It, it you is. Gotta, I'm not saying it's you got to show them that you're committed. To, to hockey, and currently they are not committed to hockey. I'm I not saying that they can't be or won't be. I'm just saying that currently they can have yes. $50 bazillion, and that does not mean that you're committed to bringing hockey to no, your well, that's, that Well, that's, that is my point. It's not a matter of could they. It's a matter of do they want to. And currently they do not want to. Right. Well, that's the, that's the thing. They don't want to. But Because I'm just here's saying, the thing. If, if you want to, what you do first is you do what Coach Powers said. You start playing ACHA D1. Why are you playing D2 in a, in a Pac-12 conference or Pac-8 conference, whatever they call it out there? Why are you continually playing that when you have D1 ACHA teams that are close enough, a lot closer, to play Arizona, Arizona State? Just, 
you know, you, you got to have the want to, and yes. they currently do yeah. not have the want to. And I believe you hit it up best when you said what Arizona State had was a motivated donor, a dedicated head coach, and what was the final thing, Paul? An athletic director that supported the effort. Correct. And and that's... you don't have that at the other places yet. Yes, I understand, and I and, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But the, I mean, my my point being is most places. It's about the money first. In those two places, it's the other way around. Yeah, good point. That is fact, but I will tell you that it's a process. It's not like you just throw money at it and everybody buys in. Yeah, there has to be a buy-in. Look at Long Island. Um, there was a buy-in from from the head coach and obviously the athletic director to go get a Brett Riley. And uh, how many people want to do that? I mean, good Lord. I've done, as you know, a lot in, in what we do. And I can tell you right now, if I was spending all day running to the post office to mail out jerseys, yeah. I would be really, really frustrated. And Scott. God bless Brett for all that he does. Um, I will also say that when you've got a jersey that looks like that, goodness gracious, get on marketing that thing, man. You could be the number one college hockey jersey in no time. And uh, boy, that revenue would probably help a lot. Um you 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 heard Shireen. Oh, you want to get back into coaching in, 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 at USC? Okay, absolutely. Um, once again, um, getting people there that want to do it would not be will not be the issue once they say let's do it. But no, it's not. No, that that's not the problem. The problem with it is is the school president, the athletic directors, right. they have to buy in to the sport of hockey. And right now it's a slow go. I mean, I we just watched Stockton's AHL team pull out and head north to Calgary. Right. Um, so, I mean, th there's lots of things that, that have to be overcome. And I'm telling you right now, some of the things that have been overcome, maybe not the money yet, but UNLV has set themselves up to make the jump. Oregon is setting themselves up to make the jump. San Diego State is setting themselves up to make the jump. And I think well, once the U of A gets there, building and gets things underway i think they will set themselves up to make the jump so that that's the progression i think even if um i don't know what it would take at stanford at ucla and at usc but i know one thing uh you talked about what's happened at tennessee state a while back and we talked about it with sean hogan and we found out that they are going to go acha d1 for a couple of years before they make the NCAA jump. So if you're talking about a window, um, I, I think that's something that might have to be done as well at those schools. But that, like I told Dave and like I told you and everybody that listens to the podcast, uh, everybody's eyes are going to be focused on Arizona State. So this is kind of bringing it right back to where we started the show. Yeah, They're going to want to know what does Arizona State do? How do they draw? What kind of money do they produce? And then show me and then show me a second year. And I already know that coach Berman has told me that when they get their building up, that the administration there has already told him, show me a year and show me it wasn't a fluke in the second year. Yeah. And if that happens, guess what happens? You're, yeah. uh, you're off and running towards an NCAA program because as coach powers told us, they're going to be a uh, revenue sport, which means that they're not going to be looking for handouts from the university Matter of fact, they might be helping some teams at the university. Yeah, well. Anyway, from the Summer Skate Studios 
Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by Drury Inns and Suites. Drury Plaza Lake Buena Vista, the newest official Disney World hotel, is booking now for stays starting this October at DruryHotels.com. You're okay with me doing this, right? Of course. Yeah, okay, just checking. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership, but you must see one of the stores for details. Buy Summer Skates. Whether you use your own name and number or that of your favorite player, show off your game and style with personalized koozies and shower shoes. See SummerSkates.com for more information. Buy Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. No one knows goalies needs better than we do. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Liberty University, strengthen your faith and your game at the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast at liberty.edu. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where our food can be summed up in one word, perfection. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel and refine your drive at mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, our staff at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins, works hard to make sure you get the right car to fit your needs, new or pre-owned. Jets Pizza, more than just great pizza, you'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find a location near you at jetspizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where the action is from the Atlantic to the Pacific and around the world. Analytics and eyeballs and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. I will add something. If you haven't been to Instagram and looked at uh, Jesse Ray's Barbecue, they are opening a new store in Henderson. I I don't know if there's going to be two stores or one. I haven't figured it out. But uh, the pictures are up there. The remodeling has begun, and Jesse Ray's Barbecue headed to Henderson as well. Uh, um, of course, we went on a little early tonight, so when you listen to this in about an hour or so, you'll be going, what the heck happened? But anyway, yeah, anytime well. you can get Dave Starman on, you, you do it around his schedule, and we thank him for coming on. Uh, we look forward to having Shireen on as well to talk a little ringside uh, stuff coming up. Um, all kinds of good stuff coming up this summer. So thanks to Dave for uh, for joining us. Thanks to Shireen for letting him. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll tell you, it's hot in St. Louis. Uh, it usually means thunderstorms coming and severe weather. So we hope that that's not going to be the case and that everything is safe um, in the uh, in the St. Louis metro area. It's very nice here in Colorado, but we did have a tornado on the ground yesterday, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, just northeast of the airport. So um, we are... Uh, Hoping everybody in this summertime survives all the bad weather. Paul, thanks for uh, stepping in again and and doing the analytics and eyeballs thing. And we will talk to you tomorrow with another episode of College Hockey West Live. And uh, just keep thinking. I got a guest coming on, I hope, on Wednesday night for you. So keep that anticipation. Don't sleep too tight tonight. I don't know what you're talking about. So. All right, folks. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks again. We'll uh, we'll end the show with a little Roger Klein the new and the pacemakers. Hello, new day. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>